Section 209 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain Letter 285 London, March 17, 1766 My dear friend, You wrong me in thinking me in your debt, for I never received a letter of yours, but I answer it by the next post, or the next but one, at furthest. But I can easily conceive that my two last letters to you may have been drowned or frozen in their way, for portents and prodigies of frost, snow, and inundations have been so frequent this winter that they have almost lost their names. You tell me that you are going to the baths of Baden, but that puzzles me a little, so I recommend this letter to the care of Mr. Larpent, to forward to you, for Baden I take to be the general German word for bath, and the particular ones are distinguished by some epithet, as Weissbaden, Karlsbaden, etc., I hope they are not cold baths, which I have a very ill opinion of, in all arthritic or rheumatic cases, and your case I take to be a compound of both, but rather more of the latter. You will probably wonder that I tell you nothing of public matters, upon which I shall be as secret as Hotspur's gentle Kate, who would not tell what she did not know. But what is singular, nobody seems to know any more of them than I do. People gape, stare, conjecture, and refine. Changes of the ministry, or in the ministry at least, are daily reported and foretold, but of what kind God only knows. It is also very doubtful whether Mr. Pitt will come into the administration or not. The two present secretaries are extremely desirous that he should, but the others think of the horse that called the man to its assistance. I will say nothing to you about American affairs, because I have not pens, ink, or paper enough to give you an intelligible account of them. They have been the subjects of warm and acrimonious debates, both in the Lords and Commons, and in all companies. The repeal of the Stamp Act is at last carried through. I am glad of it, and gave my proxy for it, because I saw many more inconveniences from the enforcing than from the repealing of it. Colonel Brown was with me the other day, and assured me that he left you very well. He said he saw you at Spa, but I did not remember him though I remember his two brothers, the colonel and the ravisher, very well. Your Saxon colonel has the brogue exceedingly. Present my respects to Count Fleming. I am very sorry for the countess's illness. She was a most well-bred woman. You would hardly think that I gave a dinner to the Prince of Brunswick, your old acquaintance. I am glad it is over, but I could not avoid it. Il mauvais tabli de politesse. God bless you. Letter 286 Blackheath, June thirteenth, 1766. My dear friend, I received yesterday your letter of the 30th past. I waited with impatience for it, not having received one from you in six weeks, nor your mother neither, who began to be very sure that you were dead if not buried. You should write to her once a week, or at least once a fortnight, for women make no allowance either for business or laziness, whereas I can, by experience, make allowances for both. However, I wish you would generally write to me once a fortnight. Last week I paid my midsummer offering of five hundred pounds to Mr. Larpent for your use, as I suppose he has informed you. I am punctual, you must allow. What account shall I give you of ministerial affairs here? I protest I do not know. Your own description of them is as exact a one as any I, who am upon the place, can give you. It is a total dislocation and derangement, consequently a total inefficiency. When the Duke of Grafton quitted the seals, he gave that very reason for it, in a speech in the House of Lords. 
he declared that he had no objection to the persons or the measures of the present ministers, but that he thought they wanted strength and efficiency to carry on proper measures with success, and that he knew but one man, meaning, as you will easily suppose, Mr. Pitt, who could give them strength and solidity, that under this person he should be willing to serve in any capacity, not only as a general officer, but as a pioneer, and would take up a spade and a mattock. When he quitted the seals, they were offered first to Lord Edgemont, then to Lord Hardwick, who both declined them, probably for the same reasons that made the Duke of Grafton resign them. But after their going a-begging for some time, the Duke of begged them, and has them, faux de mieux. Lord Mount Stuart was never thought of for Vienna, where Lord Stormont returns in three months. The former is going to be married to one of the Miss Windsors, a great fortune. To tell you the speculations, the reasonings, and the conjectures, either of the uninformed or of the best-informed public, upon the present wonderful situation of affairs, would take up much more time and paper than either you or I can afford, though we have neither of us a great deal of business at present. I am in as good health as I could reasonably expect at my age, and with my shattered carcass, that is, from the waist upward, but downward it is not the same, for my limbs retain that stiffness and debility of my long rheumatism. I cannot walk half an hour at a time. As the autumn and still more as the winter approaches, take care to keep yourself very warm, especially your legs and feet. Lady Chesterfield sends you her compliments, and triumphs in the success of her plaster. God bless you. End of section 209. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.